The Kansas City Chiefs trying to win another Lombardi trophy. If so, it would be their third in five years. But this year, the Kansas City Chiefs have been opportunistic on offense. They've had to fix some things. On this edition of Defending the Kingdom, we'll talk about fixing it to the finish line as the Chiefs will try to beat the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58. And, of course, Defending the Kingdom is brought to you by Ticketmaster. Hands on his knees is Pacheco. He'll get it again behind left guard. Trying to left, pushing, pushing, touchdown! Kansas City! The Ravens defense has only averaged giving up 16 points a game this year. The Chiefs have 14 if they get the PAT in their first two drives. And hello, everyone. I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. You hear the ambient sound. If you cannot see us, if you're watching <laughs> us, uh, we are at the shores of Lake Las Vegas uh, at the uh, encampment for the Kansas City Chiefs. We've been here all week long. But if you're just listening and not watching and you hear this ambient sound, that is the beautiful fountains and water rushing around us. So uh, it's a definitely some palatial surroundings. This is pretty gorgeous, isn't it? <laughs> and it's a far cry from what we had when we first got here on Sunday night. It was pretty cold and rainy for the first two or three days that we were here. It was actually warmer in Kansas City than it was here. And you think about going to the desert, it should be really warm. But today is beautiful uh, and should be beautiful here for the next couple of days. And yeah, not a bad uh, scene for our podcast here today. We are making a trend of this. Last year, we were out by the water with the sunglasses on for our Blues Brothers a cameo. Uh, no sunglasses today, but still a beautiful scene. And chilly. It has been chilly here in Las Vegas, but the natives here are uh, actually dancing in the streets with the rain. <laughs> Yesterday, now it's out there, so a lot of you have been able to see it on our um, social platforms that you and I had an incredible experience to go to the bottom of the Grand Canyon in a helicopter ride. It took us about an hour to get out there. It was about 100, 100 miles to go there, and then to go to the bottom of the canyon. But what we saw was how low the water table is at Lake Mead oh, yeah. and Hoover Dam. And so uh, it was an awesome experience. But when it rains here, people don't complain. We also flew over where we are right now, and we took off from the airport, which if you've been to Vegas, you know, is right next to the Strip. And we truly got perspective on how far away we are from actual Las Vegas. We are nowhere close to Las Vegas. That helicopter trip was incredible, though, mm. wasn't it? I mean, it was just amazing. Our boss, our vice president of content and production, Rob Alberino, told us about that like on Tuesday. He's like, would you guys be interested in taking a helicopter ride to the Grand Canyon? And I thought he misspoke. I thought he meant like maybe a quick little ride around the area. Like surely we're not going to the Grand Canyon, but we did. And we went to the bottom of it and you did a touchdown Kansas City into the Grand Canyon. It was awesome. Yeah, that's been posted and you can <laughs> enjoy that moment. But Honestly, it was a. Uh, I felt like a five-year-old going to my first baseball game or football game. I didn't want to leave. It was so peaceful, uh, so quiet. You could just see this you know, majestic creation around you. Uh, it really was an experience that I've never uh, had before. It. I didn't want to leave it. Yeah. And it's for the first time. In, you know, it's been a crazy seven months. Sure. This has been a. This has been a full sprint. And we have to stay on point. It's a first-world problem, I know. But <laughs> you, you can never leave it. It's like your mind never relaxes. And this bite year's bye week wasn't, we've said that before in earlier episodes, didn't feel like much of a bye week. But when I got to the bottom of that canyon, it's like everything dimmed. It's like every, and I could feel my, I feel my whole body relax, and like my soul just, it was awesome. I'm always thinking about this stuff because I love it. Like, it's, it's our job, but it's also our, our passion. So we're always thinking about it. <laughs> so it doesn't mean that, like, physically we rest a lot or, like, take a break from it. 
uh, and particularly, yeah, after the last two seasons, which have been the two longest seasons in NFL history for any team based on when we started training camp and when the Super Bowl has taken place. And yeah, again, not complaining. Like, we are so fortunate and happy to be here, but it was kind of funny to finally detach for 30 minutes required us going to the bottom of the Grand Canyon where we literally had no cell service and no choice but to actually turn our brains off for a bit. It was pretty great. All we had are these, again, this majestic. You'll see these if you haven't. Go find us uh, on our social platforms. Uh, and then the Colorado River just kind of gently uh, flowing right by us at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Well, another thing that has been phenomenal uh, has been the Kansas City Chiefs offense. We know in Patrick Mahomes has been unparalleled in many ways uh, in his time in the National Football League, always listed as seven years, and truthfully only six. <laughs> drives but us crazy. It drives me nuts. It's, it's all the comparison to the first seven years. Like, whoa, whoa, stop. <laughs> and uh, even he takes out most everybody in a seventh year that he didn't play. Uh, but still, we have seen playoff, Pat, and we've seen this offense uh, do a lot of transitioning throughout the season. And we've seen them do a lot of fixing in this five-game winning streak. So we're going to jump into that and see how they match up against the San Francisco defense of uh, Super Bowl 58. But before we do, let's uh, take, oh, I don't know, uh, get in a canoe ride down the uh, Colorado River <laughs> or get in your space station and travel all around the earth. Uh, and if we figured out Canadian provinces, how many we have? Oh, I'd have to do a deep dive and yeah. go through it. We're getting um, them most. Because we got Prince Edward Island a few days which ago, is which That's is big. It's one I thought we didn't get to the end. But. We have British Columbia. We have Manitoba, uh, Ontario. We probably have close to all of them. Did we get Saskatchewan in there somewhere? I thought we did. Maybe. Anyway. I don't know. Maybe the, not the Yukon Territory. <laughs> need to work <laughs> that on might be. That might be the last one. Yeah, yeah. But I do have six for you today. <laughs> no people in Canada today, uh, but people all over the world. So Daniel is in Seymour, Missouri. Do you know where that is? Sure do. Or Seymour. Okay. Um, now that you say that, I'm trying <laughs> to figure out what you on the spot. <laughs> you did put me on the spot. I'm trying to locate it. Oh, gosh. You can take a pause if you want, and I can okay. move on. Okay. <laughs> Darnell is in Denver. Been a fan since 1970. I, What's his name? Her uh, name? Darnell. Darnell. Yeah, okay. I love our defenders out in Denver. Represent the kingdom out there. Uh, shout out to our listeners in Thailand. We had a, a few of them this time. I don't have specific names, but people wrote in from Thailand. We really have a monopoly on like Southeast Asia. I love I've that. learned because we have a lot of listeners in Thailand, the Philippines, Laos. Like Vietnam, Did we Laos. Hear from Laos. We've heard from Cambodia. Like legitimately, lots of people in Southeast Asia representing the kingdom. So shout out to all of you. Uh, we love you. We have a listener from Independence, Missouri, who now lives out in Broncos country. I don't know where specifically, but in Broncos country again. Behind enemy lines. Yep. It's uh, not Harry Truman, is it? It's not It's not Harry okay. Truman. No, Harry Truman, I think, went back to independence. I don't think Harry moved to Broncos country. <laughs> um, this is a really cool one. So I heard from Janet from Tenerife. That's in the Canary Islands. You have me on that one. Yep. So Janet is from Tenerife. It is the largest island, I believe, or the most populous island of the Canary Islands, representing Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, and then lastly, maybe another locale where we should shoot the show. Definitely. I think it would be <laughs> for the best uh, if we put some money in the budget for us to go to Tenerife and, and do our show just to try to reach people where they are. That's how we should pitch that. Uh, lastly, our good buddy Austin Woodard gave me this one. Uh, he wanted me to shout out Jim and Janet in Joplin, Missouri. Shout hmm. out to you both. Joplin is a hotbed, obviously, of the Chiefs Kingdom. It's uh, uh, a lot of enthusiasm down there. And of course, uh, we'll remember, never forget. 
uh, what happened on May the 22nd in 2011 and just the uh, brutal tornado there. Uh, and Austin is a leader in that community, and he's a friend of you and me and uh, just uh, an amazing guy. But that's that whole area, you throw in Web City and, I don't know, Neosho and Carthage. It's, that's just a great area down in southwest Missouri in a Chiefs hotbed. I'm still trying to figure out where Seymour, Missouri is. I know it. <laughs> I tried giving you an out. You, you did, and, and uh, it's, it's bugging me. So I'll just pass on that one. Tune in next week for us to tell you where Seymour, Missouri is. We may do a show from Seymour, Missouri, just because I feel like I, I messed up <laughs> it's this It's my one. fault. My no, fault. no, it's my fault entirely. Uh, but speaking of, of messing up, like the National Football League was looking at the Kansas City Chiefs of like, wow, this is their demise again. Everybody's been waiting for it. Yeah, rubbing their hands together. <laughs> they did it at the end of 21. Uh, they did it last year in 22. They do it this year, and they're saying, see, they're just not the same. Uh, that offense is not the same. They're not getting a big chunk yardage and, oh, these drops. Uh, and drops are like errors in baseball. Uh, drops in football are like errors in baseball. You kind of get there's some subjective feel to it. And you're like some team, like they had the Chiefs at 48 drops. Well, no. No. Uh, you look at, like, stats pass, it's 35. Uh, I think NGS has got it at 34. It but differs wherever you look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a matter of opinion. But we know this. No matter how you looked at it, the Chiefs were number one in the National Football League in drop passes. San Francisco, interestingly enough, was the best team. They had the fewest drop passes with only 10 all year. That's impressive. Wow. Uh, but then you look at the penalties. Uh, the Chiefs led the league in offensive holding penalties and thought, well, there's no way the Chiefs can get there. And then we talked about it, the giveaway takeaway, which is on kind of both sides of the ball. And the Chiefs had, you know, hovering it at minus 11, minus 12, weren't taking it away, had 28 giveaways. Like, we'll see that they're not going to make it. This team is not going to happen. And then I kept saying, even after the, the uh, much-mentioned Christmas Day loss to the Raiders at home, I said, they're still 9-6. and six. Like, if this gets fixed, they will turn into a force. And that's exactly what we've seen. And we're going to talk about fixing it all the way to the finish line. That's uh, where we're at with this Kansas City Chiefs offense. But it's been impressive because they've indeed fixed it. Not to get off track, but you reminded me of this when you were talking about the subjective nature of drop passes. My very first job in sports ever was working for the Kansas City T-Bones, now known as the Kansas City Monarchs, an independent baseball team. And I was an intern. And uh, one of my jobs in the media department is occasionally I would be the one that would score the games you were the official score <laughs> i would be the official score as like a 23 year old intern and i was really by the way that's tough. a brutal job it's really hard I, I it was fun but really difficult and the hardest thing is deciding is that an error or is that a base hit or not an error and <laughs> one of my first games i gave out like nine errors and they're like listen oh. you got to cool it man <laughs> like come on <laughs> it's hard Anyway, you're totally right. Baseball I think players, though, are so persnickety. <laughs> well, I, would, I got and, a talking to by the manager about it. <laughs> and, and and at that level, and, and being in that ballpark, which is an awesome ballpark, great place to go to the game. Go find a Monarchs game this summer. It is a great place. But you would get guys in the dugout staring at you. Like, what did you, you know, pops up on the scoreboard. Yeah. Air, well, air. well, some of these guys are trying That's to get picked hit, up. Dog. Like they're trying, they're trying to get contracts. And I'm like, no, man, should have made that play while I'm eating a hot dog. Anyway, uh, you're right about this team's resiliency, right? Because some guy's hitting 235 going, <laughs> I'd be hitting 305 if we didn't have a 23-year-old scorekeeper. I love it. But All think right. about the baseball analogy, because if you're a player that makes two or three errors in a game, even if maybe they shouldn't have been errors, it's easy for that to compound on itself. And you just say, it's not my day. And for the Chiefs, many times this year, they could have said, 
it's not our season. We've played a lot of football over the last several years. Maybe we need a reset. They said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to figure it out this year. And it says so much about this team that mentally they were able to do that because all along the foundation was there for this group. We know what they could do. We saw it in training camp, and we saw it during a lot of the wins this year and the triumphs this year. There was also a lot of bad luck this season at times, and the Chiefs still found a way to persevere through that. And all along, what you and I talked about, you know, the one seed was in play for quite a while, but we kind of stopped thinking about that. We were like, let's win the division, get into the playoffs where everyone's record is 0-0, zero and zero, and then let's see what happens. And that's what has occurred here. The Chiefs won the division. They got into the postseason. It was a difficult road having to play the Dolphins, uh, then the Bills in Buffalo, and the, the Ravens in Baltimore. But we've seen what can happen when a team like this, with the talent that it has, with the best defense in the NFL, the best quarterback in the NFL, the greatest tight end of all time, and one of the greatest head coaches of all time. You put those players in that combination in a single elimination tournament, good things can happen. And that's what we've seen so far with this group. Let's look at this empirically and how the Chiefs have fixed these three areas that were the biggest concern, oh, I guess on Christmas Day or the day after Christmas, and one with the drops. Only three in the playoffs in three hard games. Think about it. Minus 28 wind chill at Buffalo, at Baltimore, three drops in three playoff games. And two of those were Kelsey's. Uh, Kelsey had two of those in the brutally cold game against Miami. The only other drop in three games in the playoffs, Richie James Jr., was ruled to have a drop in the AFC Championship game. That was a hard play, though. That's a real that, – that goes, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking okay. about. That's hard. Richie James Jr. is <laughs> looking at you at the dugout going, that's a hit, man. That's not an error. But, but yeah. the point is it has been not only cleaned up in the drops, it has been dramatically cleaned up. And so uh, people are like, why are the Chiefs in the, in the Super Bowl? One of the areas is – and you said they, they did this on the fly. This team is not dropping the football anymore and not dropping the football in critical moments. That was the, the issue at times during the season. It wasn't just drops. It was <laughs> the drops seemed to happen at some of the worst possible times, and that's just bad luck. And in so many ways, we've talked about this on previous episodes, we saw the flip side of that against the Ravens, where it's third and nine, you need to make a play, otherwise the Ravens are going to get the ball back with more than two minutes and a chance to tie the football game. And the Chiefs, Third and nine, Patrick Mahomes puts it up there against a zero blitz from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and MVS comes down with the football. And that's experience right there. That's the moment not being too big for you. That's knowing uh, that you've been there before, you've achieved success in that moment before, and you can do it again. And we saw that from this team. And that's why, I mean, it's easy nationally to look at the Chiefs after a tough loss in week 11 and be like, oh, what's going on? What's happening? These guys know how to win when everything is on the line. They want to win every single game, but in these moments, they know how to win. Uh, they know how to play their best football, and we have certainly seen the best football from the Chiefs during this playoff run. Yeah, I love the interviews you did with Brian Baldinger and Chris Long because those two guys I respect, and I was on with Baldy during NFL Network on Monday, but those two guys knew. They see what we saw. They go, if that just gets fixed, then all of a sudden, look out for these guys. And no, very few other than those two talked about it nationally. So one area cleaned up, fixing it, was the drops. Other one, penalties. Ten penalties in three playoff games. Total, ten. And you're talking about being at Buffalo and at Baltimore in, in frenzied crowds that just wanted to eat your flesh. And it was the other team. The other teams have 21 penalties in three playoff victories. The Chiefs have ten. 
That is a dramatic improvement because in every one of these games, every one of these playoff games, including Super Bowl 58, the discussion has been among the coaching staff and the players, don't get behind the chains. Don't have a second and seven holding call. Now it's second and 17. Uh, stay away from the first and 25 or the third and 12 because every opponent we've played along the way uh, preys on that uh, if you're the opponent defense. And this offense has stayed away, only 10 penalties in three games. And you're right that those penalties during the season were just drive killers. Like the Chiefs would be rolling down the field and you would feel really good about it, and then it'd be all of a sudden second and 20. And it's just so hard to dig yourself out of that. And in recent years, the Chiefs' offense has been so explosive that maybe we took it for granted a little bit that, hey, third and 17, no big deal. It's hard for any team to convert when it's double-digit yardage required in a second down or later. And that was the issue is the Chiefs were finding themselves in these holes in, in the red zone sometimes as well and kind of just beating themselves. They haven't done that during this postseason run. And I think getting off to a fast start against San Francisco is really imperative because that's what we've seen here from the Chiefs' offense uh, during this playoff run. And it goes hand-in-hand hand with your comments about how they're avoiding penalties. Think about the first two drives against Baltimore a couple weeks ago, both touchdown drives. On those two possessions, the Chiefs combined for 26 plays, 156 yards, 12 first downs, and nearly 15 minutes time of possession. Think about the Buffalo game. They start that game by scoring on five straight drives. And then against Miami, they scored on three of their first four drives. That's important here in this game. We're going to talk a lot about the Niner defense. They're really good. Got to make sure you keep the pressure on them. But one of the ways that you can do that, stay out of negative situations and stay out of penalties that are drive killers. The Chiefs have been so good about that during this playoff run. Got to do it now here again against the Niners. The 30 area, again, the drops. Chiefs have cleaned it up. They fixed it. Uh, to the penalties, they fixed it. The third is the giveaway, takeaway. Playoff Patrick is showing up. No interceptions uh, during the playoffs. And even if you take the last two games of the regular season in this five-game winning streak, um, the Chiefs only have four giveaways in five games. And so that got cleaned up. And, again, being minus 11 or minus 12 or down there near the bottom of the league where the Chiefs were hovering all the year uh, throughout the year, it does not add up to a team that makes it to the Super Bowl. But cleaning it up at the right time, we've seen playoff Patrick um, stay away from the mistake, um, and all of a sudden the Chiefs are plus two in the playoffs, <laughs> and here we are. You want some advanced metrics? I know sometimes we don't really agree with these, but one of the advanced metrics that I think is very We agree useful. with it. If it's, it's like a political poll. Yes, if, true. If it looks good for the Chiefs, we love it. <laughs> it's true. great. If it's not, it's like, oh, come on. Man, that's some dude in his basement being weird. Well, sometimes when people that are not inside – the building are grading players based on assignments that they don't know the full picture. It can be difficult for them to, to grade properly, right? But what some of these outlets are really good at is providing data. And one of the data points that I enjoy looking at is turnover-worthy plays, all right? And what that is, if you look at just interceptions and fumbles, doesn't always tell the full story. I could throw a pass right at the defender and they drop it. It's just an incomplete pass. Or they can make an incredible play on a pass that shouldn't have been intercepted. They pick it off. It's an interception on me. Well, turnover-worthy plays is done by Pro Football Focus, and it's basically trying to evaluate, is that a play that should have led to a turnover or could have led to a turnover? That's big, and I, this is one I agree with with Pro Football Focus. I've looked at that, and this year when you look at it, 
Because Patrick's interceptions, how many of those should have been caught? Exactly. They were not turnover-worthy plays. So I, I will applaud this one from PFF. That's the other side of it, is if it's a pass that hit a player in the hands and it bounces off into the defender's hands, that's not on the quarterback. That wouldn't be a turnover-worthy play. Anyway, why am I saying all of this? Well, during the postseason, Patrick has dropped back 114 times in three games. You know how many turnover-worthy plays he's committed? Zero. Zero turnover-worthy plays on 114 dropbacks, and that actually extends back to the Bengals game as well because that Bengals game felt like a playoff game if you were there. And in that game, he had 33 dropbacks, zero turnover-worthy plays. So with Mahomes, it's not just the touchdowns and the passing yards. That's been great. He has 718 passing yards, four touchdowns during this playoff run. It's also avoiding the mistakes because against some of these really great defenses like Baltimore and like another one that we'll face here in San Francisco, you can't give them short fields. You can't take away possessions from yourself uh, with a turnover. And Mahomes has been so good at avoiding mistakes during this playoff run. Got to keep it going. Again, if you uh, the sound behind us, if you're just uh, listening and not watching, is the fountains here at the uh, Lake Las Vegas, uh, our locale that has been our headquarters throughout our Super Bowl coverage. While we're on playoff, Pat, let's just talk about playoff, Pat. And <laughs> yeah. you talked about fast starts. The Kansas City Chiefs have scored on their first possession in eight consecutive playoff games. That's not happened in the history of the National Football League. And the next closest team has four. Wow. So that gives you an idea of playoff, Pat. And scoring on eight consecutive playoff first drives is impressive. But when you look at playoff Pat's numbers, again, shattering some of these numbers in NFL history, his QBR in playoff games is 106.3. I mean, that's that's incredible. Um, 39 touchdowns. That's the best in NFL history at this point of a career. We know about his 14 victories. But I'd also throw the offensive line in here in fixing this. And we see Nick Allegretti, uh, who has had to step in for Joe Tooney. The offensive line is a big part of this. We mentioned that they decided on the day after Christmas, no more. And they led the charge. Go back and, and listen to our, some of our previous episodes. But the fact that Allegretti has been able to fit in and the playoff pad is turning into playoff pad has got us to this point. And it's been impressive to see how the team has fixed it. And facing some really good defensive lines, too. Facing the Ravens' defensive front, they had the most sacks in the NFL this year. Uh, and they don't blitz very much. The Bills' defensive front, Ed Oliver, had like the fourth most pressures of any interior offensive lineman in the league this year. He had zero pressures against the Chiefs in that Buffalo game. And the Dolphins were beat up defensively. We all know that, but still have some really good players on that team. This Chiefs offense and the offensive line, to your point, has just really accepted the challenge. And if you listen to any Chiefs press conference or, or media session or anything, you're going to hear the word challenge like 100 times. It's like the bingo word uh, throughout <laughs> every Chiefs media session. But that's real. That's how the guys look at it. They want to accept the challenge, and they love the challenge. And that's the, those are the kind of players you want in these big games, and we certainly have them. That and the triangle. How do they, has the Chiefs fixed this over the span of this five-game winning streak? I think we need to revisit the triangle. And the triangle is became, became the point of emphasis for this offense, not just playoff Pat, but the energy that is created by the triangle of Kelsey, Mahomes, and Pacheco. If you look at it, Pacheco so far in the playoffs, twice during the playoffs he has had 24 carries. 24. He did it at Baltimore. He did it against the Miami Dolphins in that cold game. We saw Rashi Rice go for 130 yards receiving in the Miami game. And then Kelsey's been Kelsey. 23 catches, 262 yards. That's the best uh, in the NFL during the postseason. And his three touchdowns are the best. 
And even if you look at Pacheco from a standpoint of all-purpose yards, he's number one in the league. Now, people would say if McCaffrey had a third game, remember he had a bye, sure. that he would have more than Pacheco. Okay, I'll give you that. But guess who would be second? It would be Isaiah Pacheco. So this triangle has been the centrifugal force, if you will, where all of this other kind of fix-it stuff has kind of spun off of the energy of those three guys. Those three players during the Chiefs playoff run, so three games, have 771 combined scrimmage yards. That's 70% of the Chiefs' offensive production. So they've kind of found their formula. It's funneling the offense through those three players, and then other guys will make plays on top of that. That's what we've seen. And the balance on offense has really stood out to me here during the postseason run. Look at uh, the game against Buffalo. The Chiefs ran it 24 times, threw it 23 times. Then against Baltimore, they ran it 32 times, threw it 39 times. Again, looking at the San Francisco team, I really think that is what the Chiefs need to do against them. It's to have that balance. It's to have success running the football, which we can get to in a moment. I believe they can. And then throwing the football as well uh, with great efficiency. So we'll close out by looking here at San Francisco's defense, um, much like we did at looking at San Francisco's offense on our episode on Tuesday. But the San Francisco defense is good. Let's just call it what it is. It's good. Oh, yeah. And they've got guys that are holdovers from Super Bowl 54. And we saw these guys last year. We played them last year. I mean, Pat threw for 424 on these guys a year ago in San Francisco in a 44-24 win. But Nick Bosa is there. These linebackers with Warner and Greenlaw are there. Charius Ward, former chief, is there. Who's not there is Hufanga, their safety. Uh, Troy Polamalu's cousin. And he plays like Troy Polamalu in his prime. To lose him was a big blow to this defensive team. But this is a San Francisco defense that reminds me of the defenses we played, primarily Baltimore, where they live off the turnover. But they're having a hard time getting teams off the field. They're the, near the bottom of the league of teams in 10-play drives, uh, of five-minute drives. So when San Francisco, who likes to keep the ball on offense, we saw that on Tuesday, when the other team gets the ball, it's been really difficult for the 49ers to get their opponents off the field. We are complete nerds. And one of the things that I love to do during the week is I look at the basic numbers for a team, offensively and defensively, in this case, the defensive numbers for the Niners. And on the surface, they're very good. I mean, they're the number three scoring defense in the NFL this year uh, behind just Baltimore and Kansas City. But I like to learn more about them and figure it out like kind of like a puzzle, right? And there's some really interesting numbers here about the Niners they are the number eight total defense in the NFL. That means that they're allowing the eighth fewest yards of any team, but still there's a gap there. There are several teams ahead of them that are allowing fewer yards but more points. And why? So I dig into it a little bit because the Chiefs are the number two scoring and total defense in the league. Well, they've allowed 42 10-play drives this season, to your point, most in the NFL. That's surprising for a team that is so good at limiting points that they're allowing a decent amount of yards in so many 10-play drives. So what is the difference? Well, one of them is takeaways, just kind of like our conversation a couple of weeks ago about Baltimore and also about our conversation about the Bills three weeks ago because they were very similar in this regard as well. They have 28 takeaways this season, fifth most in the league, and they've actually faced the second fewest offensive possessions of any team with 174. So if you have a bunch of takeaways – and you're not facing a bunch of offensive possessions, it means that your scoring is going to be lower because they are forcing a turnover on 15.5% of opponent possessions this year. That's crazy. That's the second highest rate in the NFL behind only Buffalo, who is at 16%. So I got my spreadsheet out, 
and was working on this stuff last week. When the Niners do not force a turnover, so on, on their drives, the opponent drives where they have not forced a turnover, they are allowing points 40% of the time. Now, that includes field goals. They're very good in the red zone. But my point, don't turn the ball over against these guys. Don't turn it over against them. If you don't turn it over against them, they've shown this year you can move the football on them, and this Chiefs offense can find success. But turnovers are the great equalizer in all of this. The Chiefs, fortunately, against Baltimore, who had the most takeaways in the NFL this year, they were plus three against Baltimore. Like you said, didn't turn the ball over once. The Ravens turned it over three times. That was the Ravens' strength. Their defense was so good, but they forced a lot of turnovers and took drives away from teams. The Chiefs didn't let them do that. You cannot let San Francisco do the same thing because it's a very similar setup with how they stop the opponent, taking the football away. And most of the times you think of takeaways from DBs. This linebacker core, uh, and we know about Greenlaw and Warner, Greenlaw had two interceptions against Green Bay. They, those guys are the guys that will get a bulk of these turnovers and the way they play. They rely on a four-man rush, uh, San Francisco. They don't they, blitz. They do not blitz. They're in the bottom two or three of the league in blitzing, but their four-man pressure is there. But where they become devastating is that second level of the defense. They'll not only uh, stop you, they will take the ball away, and these linebackers are, are very highly skilled. All right, we'll close it this way, though, running the ball. Uh, Green Bay ran it on them. Detroit ran all over them. Almost 190 yards rushing by the Detroit Lions. We have to be wondering, how did we lose that game? Same way Baltimore is going, how did we lose that game to the Chiefs? Well, three over zero is a pretty good way of losing it. Um, but still, not that the Chiefs will run the ball 40 times, but this is a San Francisco defense that has to prove in Super Bowl 58 that they can stop the run because it has one of, been one of the biggest topics of discussion throughout Media Row is what happened to San Francisco's run defense. Yeah, they've allowed 318 rushing yards in two playoff games. That's an average of 5.58 yards per rush. It includes nine rushes of 10 or more yards. You know they're hearing it all week, so this is going to be an area of emphasis for them. But if Isaiah Pacheco can have another big day here in this one, if he can run the football effectively, and if the Chiefs can remain balanced offensively between the run and the pass, really helps everything with what this Chiefs offense wants to do. I, my perfect world, the Chiefs can run the football effectively, get off to a fast start, much like the Packers and the Lions did. The difference, though, is the Niners are an experienced team with a lot of good players who have been there before. The Packers and the Lions, not so much. So in the second half, I think we saw the experience factor take place. I'll give San Francisco a lot of credit. Even though they've allowed a lot of these rushing yards, they found ways to win those games during the postseason. The emphasis for the Chiefs here Get a lead like those teams did and don't give it up and keep it going in the second half. The Lions and the Packers couldn't do it, but the Chiefs, they've proven during this postseason run they can finish. Got to finish here against these guys, and it really begins with running the football. Yeah, very few things really bug me, but one of the things was that the national narrative of like, oh, my gosh, the Chiefs are, are brutal this year. What? <laughs> no, they're not. You just got to do a scuba dive into them and say what's going on. And if these three areas on offense would be fixed, they would become a force, just the way we started it. The only other thing that really has bugged me this week has been trying to figure out where Seymour, Missouri is. Now, I'm going to have you look it up. It's <laughs> going keep I, him up all night. I, it is. But I'm thinking it's in – I'm just thinking Seymour, Indiana. That was the home of John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> okay. Okay? Okay. I think it's in northeast Missouri, so I'm going to further my – Do you want uh, to Google it right now? Yes, okay. right now. I'll look right now. Because I, I have to sleep tonight. Okay. And I'll be worried about the San Francisco linebackers. But I'll really be worried about all of you people that are <laughs> listening and watching Defending the Kingdom in Seymour, Missouri. You'll be thinking about Fred Warner and then, then all of a sudden Seymour. Seymour, Missouri. And I'm thinking John Cougar, Mellencamp? Okay. No, it's, 
It's down here. It's near Springfield, I think. Oh, I messed it up. Yeah, it's so what county is it? Uh, Green County? Whatever that orange county is there. Yeah. Um, okay. The zip code Sorry, is 65746. <laughs> here, here's the here's the main drag. Love it. Have, yeah. Yeah. So. We're learning so much here on this DTK. Seymour, Missouri. Thank check you. It, check it out. Everybody in Seymour. So <laughs> here we go. We're going to go win a Lombardi trophy. <laughs> and the main reason is we fixed it all the way to the finish line, even if that finish line is Seymour, Missouri.